In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today is the last Sunday the Church gives us of our three Sundays preparing our souls to enter into great and holy Lent. This particular Mass is given the name Quinguagesima, Quingua meaning 50, so telling us that we are roughly 50 days away from celebrating the blessed life and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And on this day, in the wisdom of God, Christ places before us, very intentionally, the greatest virtue of them all. Our Lord wants to reveal Himself as love to us today. For love is, as you heard Blessed St. Paul talk about, love is the greatest virtue of all. And why? Because of what the Blessed Apostle John said in 1 John, in chapter 4. He said, God is love. And notice the language. He doesn't say, God has love. Like you and I might consider having love for someone, which really means when we're feeling good about it, we love. And sometimes we fall out of love for a minute because we're angry with a person. You see, but God is not this way. God is love. He is the source of love. And this is what he wants to reveal to us today. And remember, why does our Lord reveal something like this to us? Why does he reveal anything about himself to us? This is the God who wants to make himself known. This is the God who wants his people to know him and his nature. And remember this always, just like when Isaiah had that blessed revelation in Isaiah chapter 6. Every time we receive a revelation of God, when he shows us something about himself and his nature, we ought to have the same response as Isaiah. This is why our Lord does it. Because when we see the light and the perfection of holiness, and in this particular case, the blessed love of God, so clearly, if we'll allow the Holy Spirit, when we see that love that God is, we will infinitely see how we're not quite like that. But I want you to be encouraged. When our Lord reveals these kinds of things to us, when we see how we're not like a certain aspect or nature of God, God doesn't do this to put our hearts in despair. He doesn't reveal himself to show us where we lack to put us into some form of shame. When we see what we lack by the Holy Spirit, a godly sorrow wells up within us. When our Lord reveals himself, he does so to propel us and draw us toward him. That we gravitate to Him. That where we see our lack, like the blind man who lacked sight today, he not only cried out for mercy, but when he didn't get a response, he cried out louder. Lord, have mercy on me. I want to receive my sight. He went to God with his lack. You see this. And so when we look at love today, it's because our Lord wants us to press into Him to become this. Because He knows that those who get beyond the selfishness and the, the self-centeredness that we all have in us to varying degrees, that when we open our hearts and become love, we're free. And by loving one another as God loves, we experience the joy of the God of love in our lives. 
And so let's have a look at love today through the eyes of blessed St. Paul from the scripture verse, the passage of 1 Corinthians 13. We'll just talk about a portion of it today for what I believe the Lord wants to show us. St. Paul teaches us, love is patient and is kind. Love does not envy. Love doesn't parade itself. It's not puffed up. It doesn't behave rudely. Love does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. Love never fails. When we hear those words of blessed St. Paul, there are two aspects of love that we're to see today from this. And the first one is this. St. Paul says, love is patient. Now, I want to be very sure we understand what patient means here. Because when St. Paul says love is patient, he's not talking about something that we need to hang on because we haven't received something we're looking forward to. So we have to be patient in time. That's not what our Lord is saying to blessed St. Paul. When St. Paul says love is patient... The literal word that he uses describes the long-suffering love that God has for us. How God is infinitely patient, infinitely long-suffering with our weaknesses, with our shortcomings, with our missing the mark. That's what it means. In fact, we find what this blessed word means, that love is long-suffering. In the very prayer that we have, that many of you probably pray in our St. Aidan's prayer book. It's called the prayer for patience. And again, it's not a prayer of waiting in time, having to hold on, hold on, hold on until we get something. Listen to the words of the prayer and they tell you the long-suffering nature of God that is love toward us. The prayer. O most meek Jesus. Before I go on, that word meek, let's always remember what that means. It's showing us something about God. If a person is meek, then they will go absolutely, infinitely out of their way to make sure they do no harm to another person. But then in meekness, there's the flip side of that. Not only will they go all the way around not to do harm, they will go out of their way in order that they might bless And so we pray, O most meek Jesus, Prince of Peace, and here's the long-suffering, who when thou wast reviled, reviled not again, and on the cross did pray for thy murderers, implant in my heart the virtues of gentleness and patience, that restraining the fierceness of anger and patience and resentment, I may overcome evil with good. For thy sake, love my enemies. And as a child of my heavenly Father, seek thy peace and evermore rejoice in thy love. What is the long-suffering nature of God? The reflection is entirely upon his time of suffering on the cross. And when our Lord Jesus Christ was on that cross... He suffered greatly at the hands of others, great physical abuse and torture. We know this. But be also mindful that equally, he suffered humanity's abuse of him emotionally. 
while he was in all of that agony, when they were doing all these horrendous physical things to his human body, the heart of the people were throwing up accusations, put-downs. They were ridiculing him. It was humiliating. They constantly were putting our Lord down as he suffered so greatly. And what is the response of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross? Because what he could have done in his justice is he could have called one single angel and destroyed them all and taken himself down from the cross. This is not what he prays. The long-suffering, loving prayer of God is this. Father, forgive them. Those words are absolutely important. But equally important are the words that follow. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now look at me. You and I know full well that those nailers, they knew they were driving spikes into his wrists and feet. Yes? And the ones who were throwing accusations, making fun of him, ridiculing him, they knew what they were saying. Yes? This is not what our Lord means. When our Lord says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Our Lord Jesus Christ is looking into soul, into the soul of each of the precious creations that he had created by his word. And our Lord sees the brokenness within that is causing the actions that they can't even perceive about themselves. They didn't know why they were doing such horrendous acts. Our Lord did. And he was shedding his blood, not only to cover those sins, but also for the sake of the healing of their soul that produced these actions. My friends, when your brothers and sisters in Christ, when your spouses, when your family members, when your children, when your siblings treat you poorly, our Lord Jesus Christ is calling us to the long-suffering love that he is. And that is when those things are being hurled at us, that we stop looking at what's on the surface and getting offended and casting stones ourselves back at them, drawing our sword and striking back. Rather, we endure as our Lord endured. We let the flesh come against us and we look into the soul and we pray to the healer, Lord, heal the soul that's causing these things to come at me. And in doing so, we live toward one another with the long-suffering love of our Lord Jesus Christ. You tell me how you can be offended if you look into the soul and pray for the healing of the person from which the offenses are coming. That's how we love you. Second thing I want to show us about love is that love is always clothed in humility. Love is always clothed in humility. We're going to look at humility in two ways by the words of Blessed St. Paul. St. Paul says first, love does not parade itself, is not puffed up. What he's literally saying is that love does not seek the applause of others by flaunting ourselves around. Like the peacock disposition of the Pharisee, always seeking accolades, always seeking to be known by any good deed that we've done. That's the actions of the Pharisee. Recognize me. Look at me. This is what this calls out. And the reality, if we look deeply at ourselves, if we're willing to, 
The reality is that much of our need for accolades, much of our need for applause, literally comes from the most broken parts of us. The most wounded parts within us that are seeking in the wrong direction to find healing, to find peace where there's internal struggle. And so sometimes we're tempted to look in the wrong direction, thinking that the applause of men, the accolades, the thank you for doing this for me, all of these things will heal our soul. But it doesn't. You and I know that the accolades and applause are like a band-aid that covers a gaping wound. It feels good for a moment, but something within us is still not at rest. And our Lord desires to get to it. Rather, our healing, our healing comes by acknowledging our absolute need, our absolute woundedness, our weakness before God and going before Him, thrusting ourselves before Him, not as the Pharisee, but as the publican who went prostrate before God and cried out, Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner. And we say that in the Jesus prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy upon me, a sinner. But you know what else we say that drives into our hearts, implants into our hearts this great humility of love? Something we say just before we receive Eucharist. Just before we receive Eucharist, we say these words. You are the Christ. Who came into the world to save sinners of whom I am what? I don't want the accolades of my brothers and sisters because I'm the least among them. That's the heart of that prayer. Which is why the church teaches us. Thank God that he uses every earthen vessel that he's filled with himself. Every broken earthen vessel. To do the great works of his kingdom and to build the faith of one another through love and our fellowship together. But the church teaches us, always remember, that when someone comes up to you and says, thank you for being used of God, this is what God did for me through that, what is the response the church teaches us to say? Thank God. Why? Think of why. Two reasons. Number one, I'll tell you from my own heart. When you come to me and you say, thank you for doing this for me, or this helped me with something, and I say, thank God, the first thing I'm doing is I'm thanking God. Because it's not me that did a blessed thing for you. It's Him. Every good and blessed work is of Him. And the second thing I'm asking you to do is keep your eyes focused on the one who did the work. What is it doing? It's deflecting off of us these accolades that our enemy will use toward pride, which is the antithesis of love. You see, we walk in this humility to one another. St. Paul also says, second point of humility, love does not seek its own. Now this comes down to a basic truth we joke about around here a lot, but it really is a truth. That all of us have to get out of the thinking that somehow, some way, we have made our way to become the center of the known universe in the way that we live. But you and I know that our actions toward one another show us how firmly entrenched sometimes we are in the center of that universe. Considering ourselves where everything revolves around me because of my weaknesses and my brokenness. And the antidote to that is this humility of love that we're talking about. 
this is the truth, the center of the universe. Indeed, the one who created that very universe and holds it all together. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus Christ, once clothed in the brilliant glory of God, even disrobed of his natural clothing. And he put on the garment of the least of humanity, the servant of a household. And then he performed one of the most menial tasks that a servant would perform. He would wash the filthy feet of his disciples. And then once he had done so, he looked at all of his disciples and he said, Now, what I have done for you, you live like this before one another. What is he saying? We disrobe of our need for anything but to love another person and to love God. And we live before one another as the least of these to bless, not to receive, to give, to offer, to offer love in the life of Christ through us to one another, to serve each other in that capacity. My friends, the Lord wants us to see that if we will press into him and where we lack the love that he is, we will see in this blessed fellowship and in our families and in our marriages, we will see less and less and less offense and more and more and more of the peace and the joy of being so united to the God of love that his love is just gushing out of us towards one another. Humility is a key to love. You know, I was reminded, I was reminded of the psalmist in Psalm 133, who said, Behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard specifically of Aaron. Unity. The only way that brethren can dwell in unity is if they live as the Trinity together. Where Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are three persons. And yet with such movement of constant love to one another. We know them as one God. So it is to be in the body of Christ. To experience the unity that the psalmist is saying is most blessed. We must move together always in that love. Putting away ourselves for the sake of one another. And think about this. Have you ever thought about the sake? Why did he liken it to the oil running down the head and the beard particularly of Aaron? Because that's how Aaron was made a priest. And every one of you, by oil, oil pouring down the head and the beard is how someone was made a priest. You have been made the priesthood of all believers. And the greatest ministry that you have is offering the world and one another to God for the salvation of all. The always ever moving towards love in that posture of humility as we've been talking about. I become so much more convinced and convicted that when I go before the Lord as a priest, I am absolutely certain, the fathers speak of this. But I'm absolutely certain that one of the things that I will be seen for is have I taken the people of God and have I fostered the environment where they can become love? Has love grown in each and every parishioner? And about this time of year, as we enter into Lent, this is always on the forefront of my mind, not just because of this Mass, 
but also because we're about to enter into great and holy land. And there's some self-examination that goes on in me. And as is absolutely normal to the last day before we go into Lent, and particularly with our Eastern Rite brothers and sisters, today is Forgiveness Sunday. And I look at every one of you and with an absolutely honest heart from what God has revealed to me. I have to say just a few things to you. There are ways, my friends, that I have not walked in the long-suffering nature of God in some of the moments that we've been together. I have been too quick to speak. And I have been too slow. I should have listened so much more at times. I also have neglected, not intentionally, but time with many of you that need my time. And yeah, part of that is on you not calling and saying, let's get together. And part of that is on me. We haven't seen each other in a while. Let's make it happen. There are ways that I have failed to love. And I ask for your prayers. And on this day, starting with my blessed wife, with my children, but then also all of you, I say the most honest words. Forgive me a sinner. And pray for me a sinner. May we all become loved as God so dishes out his grace for us to do so. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.